Hello, everybody, and welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today for this edition of the Daily Roundup. I'm excited today because I am joined by my co-host for the day, Drea Humphrey. Drea, I think this is the first time we've had the opportunity to do this together. How are you doing today? It is. It's so good to see you identifying as David today. <laughs> it's nice <laughs> to join you. Yeah, I'm doing awesome. good. Hope everybody watching is good, too. Yeah, indeed, indeed. So if you are watching us, you're probably joining us on one of these possible options, YouTube, Rumble, Odyssey, Getter. That's great. We appreciate you joining us however you are. I am going to, however, encourage you to join us on one of the free speech platforms. Rumble's particularly great. We've had some great viewership on Rumble. It's surpassing our YouTube numbers. And one of the great reasons we want to support those types of uh, those types of outlets, those types of media opportunities, is because they don't care about where you stand on issues. They're just providing a platform for you to share your perspectives, and they're providing a platform for us to join you today. So do consider switching over to one of those other things. You can, if you like watching this on your TV from Rumble, you can stream right to your TV. It's got all of the same utilities you might find on YouTube. So check us out there. The Daily Roundup is really an opportunity for us to have kind of an informal conversation, like we're sitting around a coffee table, go through some of the interesting stories of the day. Uh, it's also an opportunity for us to interact with you and you to provide some sort of feedback as we go through these articles. Uh, Drea, do you wanna to touch on that uh, opportunity for folks to just chat with us a little bit? That's right. The platforms don't only stand for free speech. They have not demonetized us like YouTube. Um, so you can live chat on both Odyssey as well as Rumble. There's a little way to do so showing you at the bottom here. But basically, like Adam said, it's a fun way to be a part of the show with a donation of $5 or more. We make sure to try to read your comment on what we are talking about, the current events of the day. And yeah, you also get to support our journalism and keep Rebel News going strong. Another way that you can continue to support our journalism is through Locals. You get access to all our content there, but you can also sort of subscribe and support us and get access to some exclusive content. So lots of ways to interact. Before we get into the stories of the day, I did want to touch a little bit on some of these new items we have at the Rebel News Store at rebelnewsstore.com. Uh, they are for Canada Day. This is our special Canada Day collection. Now, for the time being, you can use the code either ADAM10 or DREA10, actually, if you want to get 10% off your order. Some of these designs are really good. I love that one with like the beaver from the nickel on it god keep our land glorious and free yeah. really nice stuff you know if there's folks out there who are maybe separatists who aren't necessarily too sold on the idea of canada anymore or at least how justin trudeau's canada is looking well this is an opportunity for just one day to set that aside justin trudeau wants nothing more than to erase our national identity to decry canada to make us post national so i think this is one day where we can come together grab a shirt from the Rebel News Store, support some independent journalism, and 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 just for one day, we can all be Canadians together and stick it uh, to Justin Trudeau right where it hurts. He, he loves to destroy that, don't you think? Well, especially since there's so many attempts to cancel Canada Day happening. Out here in BC, we're canceling our fireworks, Canada Day is offensive. Mm -hmm. So it's sad, but it's true that such a simple form of standing up for your country at this point and freedoms is just the Canadian flag and wearing it and showing people you're proud of the traditional uh, Canada values that made this country the true North strong and free. So check it out. And yeah, I like that one too. God keep yeah. our land. It's so offensive, isn't it? <laughs> I know. It's the God, and they're going to have our sons in there, and then everyone's going to go off uh, wild to see. And the thing that I love about this, too, is when you talk to the communities that are purportedly offend, offended by this, whether it be indigenous communities, they, someone was saying the Chinese communities were offended by fireworks. That Don't don't even get me started on that. But when, when I reached <laughs> out to local indigenous communities, they were all doing fireworks shows and having Canada Day yeah. celebrations. Um, so exactly. pretty wild. Uh, nonsense but anyways we can move on from that consider grabbing a shirt revelnewstore.com go to the candidate collection great stuff there and, and i do have to say we have they're they're on new shirts they're incredible high quality shirts mm -hmm. they're bella and canvas i absolutely yeah. love them i just got one of these new shirts they're so nice um so consider picking one of those up let's get into some of our stories for the day though and the first one is canada's population will hit record 40 million on friday that's today Ooh. so just 40 million of us now, um, the agency's population clock. Um, this is a model, a real-time model that uses growth factors such as birth, deaths, uh, migration, and it's predicting by about 3 p.m. we'll be at 40 million people. Lots of ways to go on this, but what do you think about Canada hitting this big milestone? Well, I think a lot of it has to do with the flow of people that are coming. It says here that there's going to be a lot more coming as well. Just going mm -hmm. to quickly pull up the article here so I can read it better. Um, 
So it says Canada continues to lead the G7 in population growth, StatCan says, with the country adding more than 1 million people between January 2021 and 2022. Now, remember, that's during all the COVID stuff as well, for the most ever in the single year. So that is a huge growth. Last year's annual population growth, a rate of 2.7%, is the highest on record since 1957. And based on current projections, StatCan says Canada's population could reach 50 million by 2043. So this is being celebrated as a great example of Canada leading the torch and being the place to come. But meanwhile, uh, Adam, I know you've covered this as well. I don't even think all of our, or I know all of our Indigenous communities still don't have clean drinking water. Where are many of these people going to go? How are we going to take care of them? Um, That is the question. Well, and you know, the Indigenous, it does mention here as well, the Indigenous community did did enjoy quite a bit of growth, actually, but then there are still so many yeah. of those concerns that are not being addressed. As far as where the people are going to go, I, I do not buy into the sort of overpopulation narrative. You could fit the entire world's population into Texas at roughly the density of New York City. So there's a lot of space out there. I think people coming in, well, I, I don't have a problem with that, but one of my concerns is that Fewer babies are born in Canada's fertility rate hits a record low in 2020. And I think that trend um, has continued. So we don't actually have a birth rate that's maintaining populations. It's exclusively effectively from immigration. Now, that's not to say there's anything wrong with that. But if you do look Mm -hmm. at countries, once the birth rate starts to plummet, it tends to be a marker of demise. And they tend to then try and overcompensate with mass immigration, as we've seen with Justin Trudeau. And it doesn't always necessarily work. So I think there's plenty of space in Canada for those people who want to come in and sort of embrace the Canadian way of life, start a business, go to school, become contributing members of society. That's all wonderful. But I do think that there is that that underlying sort of question of how come Canadians aren't having babies at the same rate they once were. How come we're exclusively relying on that population. So yeah, something something to be said there. Uh, fascinating to see so many people, as we segue into our next story, still wanting to come into this country. As uh, <laughs> another article says, things are getting worse. Canadians of all stripes fed up with government line on, line on crime, uh, drugs. Every single demographic, a clear majority of respondents say the Canadian justice system is too generous with bail and too lenient on violent criminals. This is something that we have talked about at length. Um, and and it's it should come as no surprise with the with uh, our our help not harm uh, campaign about just drugs effectively being handed out drug paraphernalia being handed out um, cr- criminals often very often it's the same people being arrested over and over and over immediately released police are left in this futile state where they're trying to get drugs off the street and then the government is putting free drugs back on the street they're they're arresting people who are committing crimes and they're immediately being released. This is what we see in some of these cities that have just descended into chaos, tent cities, fentanyl, zombies running the streets. It's absolutely wild to see. Um, Now, some provinces, I know you're in BC, it's terrible. Alberta is pushing back. There's a sort of Alberta model. They're reinforcing. What do you make of this as someone who's in probably one of the worst provinces for this type of uh, policing, this type of enforcement, this type of drug management? You know, it's really sad. It seems almost like a smokescreen of sorts, because if you're not really looking at it or you're not living in these areas, you think that, oh, you know, having these uh, drugs available, perhaps that is doing a good thing. I know a lot of people talk about Amsterdam and say that it worked out there. But the, the core problem here is it's not addressing the main issue, which a lot of times is co-occurring disorders like mental health, as well as trauma that's happened to people. So you can't, it's a band-aid that isn't correcting what's happening and helping those communities very much. And that's what really concerns me when I look into this. I just want to mention, in case people don't know, great documentaries coming out from uh, Aaron Gunn, uh, Vancouver is dying was very good if anybody uh, hasn't watched that yet and also Canada is dying and it covers a lot of these issues I believe he's screening that on Twitter so it really really is sobering to look at what's happening um, but yeah I am proud of Alberta actually I was born in Alberta so <laughs> but um, no I'm proud with the plan that you guys have correct me if I'm wrong maybe you can summarize it better for people who are just tuning in but basically if someone becomes a harm to themselves they have to get the help they need is that correct 
Yeah, effectively. So what, what can happen, and, and there is sort of a, a judicial process. It, it isn't as though people are simply being snatched up off the street. Right. <laughs> but if there if there is a pattern of sort of self-destructive tendencies, um, if mm-hmm. a police officer, a court uh, official, or a member of a family is like, this person is on a self-destructive path. Um, mm-hmm. And it's very similar. There's precedent for this. So for, for mental health crises, there's very similar things. Um, for a number of other sort of situations, there can be court interventions that effectively ensure that these people receive the support they need. Um, And it's funny, some people will characterize this as sort of overstepping or over-controlling. And to me, this just seems like I... The, the polling is clear. Canadians are fed up with this type of approach. Mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. the progressive policies tend to be like superficially caring. Like we want to make sure that the drugs are safe and provide this opportunity. But no one would do that to their own family member. No one would do that to yeah. someone they love. No one would do that to a well, friend. Well, that's called enabling. Yeah. Exactly. So I, for one, am very happy to see the government actually stepping up and, and looking at human being not as sort of as a demographic or as mm-hmm. some way mm-hmm. to score virtue points, but actually as a human being who needs care. And and I'm actually heading out um, to the uh, Adolescent Addictions Recovery Center with Dr. Bose, who's one of the sort of top nice. doctors on this on Monday. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to I'm going to go through their facility. But they, they, they've created 10,000 new beds, the UCP. They've reduced the $40 a day fee that was there before. So legitimately, you could get free drugs, but if you wanted to go into recovery, it cost you $40 a day. That's what was happening before the UCP changed this. So oh, it's absolutely... Isn't that horrible? It's horrible. And it's 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 wild to see. So some sanity returning, people pushing back realistically, as mm-hmm. we can see by, by the numbers. Most Canadians aren't in support of this. This is ideologues and disconnected academics pushing uh, pushing these ideologies. So so Canadians, I yeah. don't think, are buying in. Canadians really tend to look out for each other. Like anytime there's something going really bad, whether it's with the, the fires we've seen, flooding, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. they tend to band together. Yeah. And, and sure. I think that I think that the current drug situation is one of those crises, and you could probably testify to this, where it's getting to the point where it is a cultural sort of broad spanning crises that that Canadians are rallying together around. Yeah, it's not uncommon, especially in Vancouver. If you work there, you travel there lots to see somebody overdose and be Narcan back. We have Narcan kits in our house. I took the training. Um, You know, I was in healthcare, but the point is, there are people who are doing this cycle over and over. You know, it's almost like the prison system going in and going out, going in and going mm-hmm. out. There needs to be the other avenue and focus on help. So absolutely. Yeah, good to see some positive things being done. On that note, we're going to jump to a very quick ad break, and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about China. <laughs> Progressives across this country are going out of their way to erase Canada's national identity, whether it's canceling fireworks or canceling Canada Day altogether. If there's one thing that these folks hate, it's patriotism. So why not support our independent journalism and stick it to the progressives who would love to cancel Canada Day by going to rebelnewsstore.com and purchasing some of our incredible Canada Day themed gear, like this shirt I'm wearing right now. Again, you'll be supporting our important work and you'll be sticking up for Canada's national identity, rejecting progressive cancel culture, and saying no, we are indeed Canadian. Again, go to rebelnewsstore.com. One of the other events that I did want to talk about coming up here really quick, we may have an ad for it later, is a Canadians for Truth event this weekend right here in mm-hmm. Calgary. I, I believe tickets are still available and Sarah Palin is coming to Calgary. Yes. Um, if you haven't been to a Canadians for Truth event, the Fire and Ice Show, you have two Canadian legends, Olympic gold medalist, Stanley Cup champion, Thurin Fleury, as well as Canadian Olympian uh, figure skater, Jamie Sallet. They it, It's almost like a, a talk show, except it's not superficial. They're actually tackling 
handling tough issues, getting into mm -hmm. these topics. And to have someone like Sarah Palin, who not only vice presidential candidate, uh, not only a governor, but a, a sort of celebrity in her own right. Um, she's had TV shows. She's had, had all that. A very interesting person. She's had some very interesting comments uh, lately. I saw her on Newsmax the other day. She's been on Twitter talking about Trump and some of what's happening down there. So I am so looking forward to this event. I am going to sit down and have an interview with her as well. So I'm very much looking forward to that. But I'm hoping to see you. I'll be there on Sunday night uh, doing a report on the event that everyone is welcome to. I believe it's at the Grey Eagle Resort and Casino. All that information can be found at Canadians for Truth. So make sure to check that out, canadiansfortruth.ca. Grab your tickets. I look forward to seeing you there. I'm, I'm excited to check out this event. Um, I said we'd talk about China now, so let's talk about China, specifically the Asian Infrastructure uh, Bank. And if we if we have it ready, we can just jump to the, the video of Andrew Shearer. I love this like irreverent Andrew Shearer. I wish he would have been around a little bit more. When yeah, he was where was leader. he? We saw it during like the run up to the leadership. And then when he became leader, it got kind of dry. And now he's back to being sassy Andrew Shearer. So uh, <laughs> let, let's jump to this video of Andrew Shearer. Mr. Speaker, the Liberal appointed board member on the Asian Infrastructure Bank just resigned, calling it a cesspool and saying that it was controlled by, quote, the Communist Party crowd who operate like a secret police. Who could have seen this coming? Who could have predicted that a bank structured to give Beijing effective control would use the bank to expand the power and influence of the communist regime in Beijing? Who could have possibly seen that coming? Conservatives, that's who. We warned these liberals not to put tax dollars into the scam of a bank. So when are they getting our money back? As the Deputy Prime Minister said yesterday, and as I said in this House yesterday, related to this matter, the Government of Canada will immediately halt all government-led activity at the bank, and she has instructed the Department of Finance to lead an immediate review of the allegations raised and of Canada's involvement at the AIIB. The Canadian government will also be discussing this issue with our allies and partners who are members of the bank. The review is to be undertaken expeditiously. No outcome is being ruled out following this investigation. Mr. Speaker, nobody likes and I told you so except for everyone who told you so. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't just conservatives, it was our major security partners like Japan and the United States and foreign affairs experts who all said the same thing, that the communist regime would use the bank to bully developing countries and expand its power and influence. This bank built railways and ports with taxpayers' dollars while Canadians here at home are struggling just to pay the bills. So now that the con has been exposed, Will they do the right thing and get Canadians their tax dollars back? Right. Mr. Speaker, same question, same answer as we said yesterday in this House. And as the Deputy Prime Minister has been very clear, we have ceased all government-led activities with the AIIB. We have, invest, we have asked finance to conduct an immediate investigation into the activities of the bank. This investigation is to be taken, undertaken expeditiously, and no outcome is being ruled out from this outcome. And it wasn't just Andrew Shear, Tom Kimmich. We can just even pull the tweet up years ago, uh, making clear that uh, that this is problematic. Um, he mm. said, I warned the federal liberals at Finance Committee years ago that joining the AIIB was furthering the foreign policy interests of Beijing communists. There you go. Uh, this is yet more proof that conservatives had it right years ago in opposing joining the AIIB. Uh, Drea, <laughs> how, just how symptomatic is this and we'll talk about sort of the commitments to, to cease activities. But it, it just seems every two weeks there's some yeah. new absurd connection between Trudeau's government and, and communist-influenced Chinese connections. What do you think? It's insane. You're right. It's like birthing pains is getting more and more because it used to pop up you know, a couple of times a year, but you're right, it's every two weeks. And I think we're just scratching the surface because I think so much, uh, there's been so much getting away with in this area. There needs to be investigations on any sign of anything that smells like interference at this point. And I'm even going to take it back to the school system too, with the you know, Confucius Institutes, we've done some reports on that as well, but I'm just saying the influence is so broad and in so many areas that we really need to tackle. Like Andrew Shear said, we told you so. So now it's time to act and we got to figure it out. But I think it's been benefiting, you know, the people on the throne a little bit too much. And now they're just sort of reacting and to everything that gets exposed on that day.
Well, I think that they really just think Canadians aren't going to look into us and they're going to get away with mm -hmm. this. I remember a couple of years ago, it was like, oh, like a billion dollars missing on infrastructure projects. Like, that's not normal. Governments used to fall on like $80,000 mm -hmm. spending scandals. Now, uh, McKenna's like, oh, we can't find this billion dollars. The other thing that's incredibly interesting here is, I actually have an interview coming up uh, with Marco Navarro, Janie, of the uh, Haltane Research Institute, and he, he breaks down, uh, you can go back to the national defense threat that was the truckers and how quickly the government mobilized against them while Chinese police stations were operating here. Yeah. There was donations coming en masse from a, a Chinese community within BC to the Montreal constituency office of just election Trudeau. interference, election interference. It goes on and on and on. They are so intimately yeah. married to them. And then it always seems to be like someone, Oh, we're going to have David Johnson, a Trudeau board member and a longtime member, a uh, friend of the Trudeau family. He's going to look into it. The other thing that I found interesting too here, and I don't know if there's some sort of one sort of governors appointed from each country and it tends to be viewed from the government. There could be nothing to this. But if you go to the AIIB Board of Governors, you can find Christia Freeland's name there. Mm. So that, <laughs> surprise, they, surprise. You, you think these people might have enough jobs. She's on, she's on the board for the World Economic Forum. She's apparently on the board, according to their website, for the AIIB. Um, you, you'd think as, as Deputy Prime Minister, there'd be enough yeah. to do, but it seems that the enough to do is basically placating and accommodating the absurd wants and demands of the Chinese government. Exactly. Like, when is she finding time to do her job that we all pay her to do? And that's, yeah, yeah we should definitely dig into that further. But it's not surprising to me at all to see Freeland is on there. Good catch. Yeah. Yeah. It, I, how can this be? And how are there still, we're going to talk later on uh, towards the end about how, how Canadians want a new prime minister. But how can it be that people are still going along with this? People are willing to turn a blind eye. They're willing to pretend the conservatives are supervillains when this stuff is mm -hmm. going on. We're talking about a Chinese regime that is one of the biggest human rights violators. And then mm -hmm. it goes beyond that. These people, all they talk about is the climate and 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 human rights and, and gay rights and all this other stuff. They, all their business, everything they do accommodates a regime that is completely opposed to all of those things. Canada's pollution contribution is borderline negative with the amount of trees mm -hmm. we have. If our entire population disappeared nothing would change meanwhile you look at countries like china, <laughs> china india that are yeah. the mass producers like they're every time we shut down a coal factory they make eight of them and they have kids working yeah. in them it's surreal <laughs> it's, and, and um, there, there, there's such a disconnect there is and when you ask like how is this happening my theory on that it has a lot to where to do with where people get their information from. So you have a lot of people that don't follow the news, number one, but mm -hmm. it's kind of like that marketing where they say the average person has to see something seven times before they want to buy it. So when a right. scandal like this happens, it's it's sort of contained in the for those who read the news and whatever the you know state preferred media will cover of it. But then everything else is drowned out, like you you said, the green yeah. agenda or, or whatever. They hear that seven times over and over, whether they're just scrolling on social media, it pops up in all these different ways. So it's that the truth and the concerns over this issues just get drowned out by right. messaging of the actual agenda. And and it's 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 intentionally so, and I think the government is more than aware, well aware of this with their efforts to exclude real journalists from asking questions, uh, yeah. with their efforts to control media, to fund only outlets that are friendly, and exclude anyone who dares ask questions. Yeah. Um, we're we're going to talk a little bit about the media and the attacks on the media later, as well as efforts uh, to sort of deal with Facebook, social media censoring, all that. These are all topics that are going to be coming up. But I think you definitely hit the nail on the head there. It's if people aren't aware of this and if the sources of media that they trust, some people still rely entirely on turning on a TV to get their news source. And you're mm -hmm. going to get a very homogenized, unified message there that doesn't change. You're also going to get sort of very, the amount of times I've been at press press events where there's some sort of big announcement or there's something very pressing and there's a very generic question about like climate change that is clearly, it's not journalism. It isn't the people in the moment sort of gauging the nature, of this, particularly during the UCP uh, and NDP, the recent election, um, you would sort of gauge what the announcement was about and you'd ask a relevant question. It is so apparent from these mainstream outlets that they're told what the question is going to be in advance. 
um, oh. and that, that it's very canned. It's it's oh the eastern slopes or it's the whatever it may be. There, there's some sort of environmental angle on everything, and these aren't the issues that that average Canadians care all that much about. Um, they're issues that that the Trudeau government and that the the bosses at some of these big media outlets are pushing. Uh, so mm -hmm. yeah, it's 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 something it's else. Horrible. I mean, when yeah. you actually get into the media pit, if they'll actually yep. let you in. I've experienced things like I had um, Trudeau's security detail come up and ask me when he was in Coquitlam out here, uh, if I'm going to be asking a hard question. We put the audio of that in the report. It's like, aren't you supposed to be making sure no one's going to assassinate you know, our prime minister? You're coming over. Your main concern is what type of question I'm going to ask. And of course, I said, well, I'm going to ask a question that the people want to hear. And then there's all this, uh, you know, even when you're there, they have it all organized on who's going to go out. There's no way you're going to get to the mic. And if you do, they're just going to hit the button, which has happened yeah. before as well. They're just going to yeah. mute you. Well, I, I remember when Pope Francis was visiting, um, mm -hmm. there was no issue. And like we, we'd go up to events and there were certain people allowed to enter certain areas. So we'd go and say, oh, we don't have approval for this event, but we have approval for this event. Where would we be allowed to go? And all the indigenous people knew us. So they'd be like, no, 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 you're coming in. And they'd like bring us to the, the sort of main media area. And I'm like, are you sure we're going to be here? They're like, yeah, 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 no problem. We had no issues whatsoever. And then uh, Justin yeah. Trudeau's handler, Terry, saw me. And then all mm -hmm. of a sudden I get a call from the organizers and there's a whole thing. Like I was like, literally yeah. like the local indigenous people escorted me here and told me to be here. Yeah. Uh, and then Terry's little handler, the government Trudeau's sort of media handler calls. And all of a sudden there's all these calls and interventions. It is absolutely wild to see what is going on in this country. The other thing, and I was talking to a couple of journalists about this the other day though, but even if we look back to the provincial election here, Sort of one of the key issues with Jason Kenney was his commitment that there would not be a vaccine passport, that it was made illegal mm -hmm. and it's completely Lies. impossible. He made that promise to me, and then he brought back the restriction exemption sort of program, which was a vaccine passport, right after telling me yeah. he would absolutely <laughs> not do that and that was not going to happen. That became one of the key issues, and I suspect it's one of the key reasons. That made national headlines. It was sort of the top mm -hmm. headline in every newspaper. That was one of the key issues during that election, uh, or during that, uh, that sort of leadership uh, review. Then we've come to the UCP's most recent election. Um, I'm the one who asked the question to Danielle Smith about uh, immunity and exemption for people who had been prosecuted under COVID-19 restrictions. That became one of the key issues during this sort of leadership process that people were discussing. My question is, mm -hmm. there's lots of other media outlets that get to every single one of these events. Yeah. And they're not asking questions that are no. that are relevant. You don't even hear the hear the questions again uh, that they're asking because they're not really seeking truth. They're not following the truth wherever it leads. Um, and I, I think, frankly, the NDP, we the reason they didn't want us there, they didn't want us asking questions is because we probably would have found out some truths that they didn't yeah. want getting out. That's ultimately all we do. Well, let me know if this has happened to you. It's happened to me. And I notice it's happening more frequently. I mean, not every week, but you know, yeah. maybe once every couple of months, where a journalist from another outlet, and of course, I won't out them because this is a good relationship, it gets stories to you, is actually sort of telling me stories. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> did you see this? And it's because they can't report on it, but they know a rebel yeah. news reporter will do it. So that's happening to me more frequently. And it's a good relationship to have. But I feel so sorry for them that they're so stifled. And of course, the public that's watching state preferred media most of them just think that they are neutral, that they are um, telling you both sides of the story, that that's their goal. They kind of just trust how news is always supposed to be. And they, of course, don't follow the money or anything mm -hmm. like that. So it, it's very concerning. But I, I would hate to be in that position of not being able to report on an important story because it doesn't fit, uh, you know, the cabal at the outlet. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. The amount of times, especially lately, because um, yeah. you'd, you'd see every day during this campaign, I'd go up and ask a good question. You'd even hear like people murmuring like, oh, get this, or uh, Rick Bell would lean in with his recorder and turn it on because he's like, there's probably going to be something yeah. here. Um, but lots of the people who perhaps like sort of the on-screen talent at some of these main uh, networks who perhaps in the past were a little bit dismissive or condescending would come up and I, I don't even necessarily know their names, but they'd come up and say, hey, Adam, how's it going? Man, that was crazy what happened at that NDP event. 
or they mm -hmm. talk to me about a story we did. Um, it, it, so I think that the tide is turning. I, I think, think very so. much so. They very much, it, it is the hand that feeds and Justin Trudeau is probably leaning towards the end. The NDP hasn't won. And I think some of these people were cluing into that. So they're very much sort of spirit of the age. They sense the tide turning, so they're going with it. But frankly, welcome to the team. Um, I don't care if yeah. you're joining for whatever reason you're joining, if you're coming over to the light exactly. and doing some real journalism, asking some tough questions, well, that's what this country needs. I don't think BC is anywhere near where you guys are. I mean, the issues you raise, we had the same lies happen out here. Um, you know, yeah. it wasn't exactly a politician, a political doctor, Bonnie Henry, saying we'll never do vaccine mandates. You know, that would be so divisive. But, you know, you had the politicians supporting her, of course, the premier at the time, Horgan, as well as the health minister, Dix. Nobody brings up those issues at, uh, you know, elections. No, Most of the people in British Columbia have no clue that there is still a blanket mandate preventing thousands of healthcare workers from saving lives simply because they didn't get the, the jab. And uh, they don't know. I even did a streeter when I went down um, outside of Premier David Evie's office when people were trying to have his MLA seat recalled. And I just asked people walking on the streets. They had no clue. And the only ones who had clues uh, were the ones who had lost a healthcare worker. They're like, yeah, I know that because I don't have my doctor or my doctor doesn't work in this area anymore. Or, or, you know, that was the only time. So it's not quite an issue out here, unfortunately, like it is there. But I, I think the tide will will continue to start to change. You guys can lead the way. <laughs> That's a perfect transition. I do want to talk about another healthcare-related story, but I think before we do that, we're going to jump to one more ad break, uh, and then we'll get back to it with one of the ways that Alberta is leading the way uh, on the healthcare front. So, but uh, we'll jump to a commercial first. Canadians for Truth proudly presents an evening with Sarah Palin. Get ready for an incredible evening, Sunday, June 18th. 2023, former Alaska governor and vice presidential candidate Sarah Palin's remarkable journey and steadfast dedication to speaking up when it's easier to stay silent are just a few of the many reasons you'll want to hear from her. This event will be hosted by Olympians Theo Fleury and Jamie Soleil and promises to provide valuable insights, inspiration, and entertainment. The show starts at 7 p.m. at the Grey Eagle Event Centre in Calgary, Alberta. But act now, because tickets for this will not last. Living with spike protein in a post-pandemic world is something we all have to grapple with, whether you've had the virus, you've been vaccinated yourself, or if you're around those who were. The wellness company's Spike Support Formula is a daily supplement that can help you feel your best and then stay that way. Go to twccanada.health to get back to that pre-pandemic feeling with Spike Support. Use coupon code REVEL to save 10% off these doctor-formulated products, which are rooted in science. And for a limited time, your first First month's membership is only 99 cents. That's twccanada.health, coupon code REBEL at checkout. It's time to put your wellness back in the driver's seat. Speaking of putting wellness back in the driver's seat, some good news coming out of Alberta. Continuous mask mandate to be lifted in Alberta hospitals. Um, effectively, nurse union leaders have said that they're very welcome to this change. Uh, People are experiencing mask fatigue. I remember the odd time I had to wear a mask, yeah. whether it be like on a flight or something. Um, it, <laughs> it was just brutal. I mean, so I don't worse. mean to whine, whatever. People go through worse things, but I can't imagine working in like a high pressure nursing scenario, running around having this mask off at all times. Uh, great to see uh, this uh perhaps Danielle Smith motivated, but certainly Alberta Health Services led announcement that the masking requirement for staff, patients and visitors uh, at, at hospitals and contracted sites uh, will be dropped on Monday. Uh, this is one of the last remaining COVID-19 restrictions uh, in place. So it's great to see us returning towards some semblance of normalcy mm -hmm. dropping that. When do you think this is gonna happen in BC, Dre? <laughs> Well, here's the thing. I'm going to eat my words a little bit here because I guess you guys are not leading the torch. Surprisingly, uh, for those who don't know, BC actually dropped their mass mandate in hospitals actually in April. So Ooh. I think I just shared in the thread a link to that. So I, I don't know. It's nice. so weird that we're ahead of you guys in this one area. Uh, we dropped our mass mandate at, towards the beginning of April as well. And we also... Wow. Um, 
finally made it so that if you were not vaccinated, you could go visit, you know, a family member who's in hospital. I believe there's still restrictions for the mask, though, in long-term care settings. Mm -hmm. And uh, there were some people pushing back when this happened, saying it's a human rights violation to let people in without a mask and things like that. I mean, they're the same people saying this are going and shopping in their groceries and going on vacation. I see people wearing masks sometimes on my Facebook friend list in their pictures or just like in their videos. And then they'll go yeah. on vacation and they're not wearing a mask like COVID isn't over there. <laughs> it's just, it's such nonsense. But yeah, surprisingly, wow. uh, although you still need a vaccine to work in a hospital, uh, you yeah. don't need to wear a mask or have a vaccine to go visit people in BC since April. Or, I'm yeah. surprised to see that. It almost seems like they're looking at some science-based evidence. Now, is it true? Is it still every three or six months doctors have to get boosters in order to keep uh, working in healthcare? Uh, no, they, um, at least in BC, they never mandated the third jab. They just oh, strongly gotcha. recommend and, and pressure you and indoctrinate you <laughs> and mm, operate okay. on every corner. But uh, yeah, you're not forced. Well, I am, I, I'm surprised to see that. You know, I, I, I find this a bit of an aside, but I find it so interesting. Like there's even the, the long COVID sort of chronic respiratory care clinics set up now and they seem to do very little to help people it seems uh, from a bunch of uh, medical professionals I've talked to that there isn't much help for them but some of the sort of naturopathic options that are out there and I've talked about this before there's like nebulized glutathione there's some other options that they're again mm -hmm. not a medical professional so not providing medical advice um, but there, there's alternatives out there that are very safe proven effective mm -hmm. um, and and they just don't it's it's like it's the Invermectin thing all over again but they they don't and, there's questions about efficacy there, but they don't seem mm -hmm. to want to allow any alternatives outside no. of their sort of box thinking, even when their box thinking clearly doesn't seem to be working. Um, right. It's bizarre. And it's the trust the science crowd that's not willing to look at recent research or or, or trust the science. Something else. Mm -hmm. Remember when the left was the one advocating for like alternatives and treatment and naturopathy and all this stuff? Uh, that was like one of the good things about the left. And we've talked about this before. Now it seems like all those lefties have become right wingers because they, yeah. they, they've been completely cast aside. Uh, it's funny. I remember freedom protests. It would be like yeah. a bunch of typical conservative Sikh, Muslim, Christian, whatever, but conservatives. And then there'd be like a little pack of like hippies kind of like yeah, adjacent the to them being are, like, we're more like you. <laughs> yeah, the hippies are like far right conservatives now. It's the funniest thing, you know, and like you're saying at protests that we've covered or something, you see like the bare feet people out there. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the sign that we're on track with which one's actually fighting for freedom. And yeah, it's yeah. such a red flag when you see them, uh, when they don't want to promote anything, even vitamin D with the COVID stuff. Vitamin D wasn't promoted. That was one of the most simple things everybody yeah. could have done. And I always uh, think of when they were saying, oh, you know, you got to get the job, especially if you're in the Black community or especially in your indig the indig Indigenous community. There were so many sites or sorry, so many studies showing that the more, uh, if you were vitamin D deficient, then you mm -hmm. had, were more likely to be hospitalized with COVID. And so I yeah. thought, you know, black people, indigenous people, we are more likely to be vitamin D deficient. And so you're not even telling us the most simple thing we can do in addition to going, not even going and getting a vaccine. They wanted us to wait for the vaccine. They didn't even have it ready yet. And they were already doing that instead of also just saying, and by the way, next time you're in the groceries, make sure you buy the vitamin D. That's like yeah. such a huge red flag there. It doesn't oh, yeah. make yeah. them promote ivermectin because it's already cheap, it's already available, and uh, or vitamin D. Yeah, well, and vi vitamin D, like for, for, if there's any questions about efficacy with ivermectin, which there is, um, yeah. There, there seems to be some some sort of evidence that, that that there are benefits, but it's not like a clear cut slam dunk. Here's a win. Yeah. Conversely, like vitamin D is absolutely like we're generally a vitamin D deficient society, um, mm -hmm. and, and it's extremely safe, extremely affordable, readily available. You can yeah. just go grab this. The other thing that they didn't talk about because apparently it's 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 a great uh, uh, blaspheme to question people's health, but the risk of hospitalization if you were obese or generally right. unhealthy was much higher. So literally the best advice and the most self-evident advice possible would have been take vitamin D and, and, and go exercise, which are both things that 
<laughs> aren't only good for you if you're talking about something like COVID-19, but they're good for you, period. Um, yeah. They, they didn't want to talk about that. That was the type of we, thing that would get you banned off of Facebook. Yeah. Speaking of which. <laughs> One quick thing, our top doctors, yeah. uh, you know, out here, Dr. Henry, making close to 400,000, they wouldn't tell people to exercise and yeah. do vitamin D. And also, I don't know if you've seen this push to sort of glamorize being obese. I'm getting a little yeah. off topic, but that seems to be happening. And it reminds me again of the hippie comment, <laughs> because they want to eat healthy and eat right. And, you know, oh, no, no, you have to embrace obesity now. That yeah. is the the in thing. That's diversity. That's the way to go. Well, and it's so funny, even the, the folks like Joseph Burgo over at Canadians for Truth, when he was running uh, for office, one of the things that he was proposing was it, it would almost sound, and this is what most people would categorize as like sort of a God-believing, right-wing-ish sort of political entity. Well, lots of what he was talking about was eating healthy, organic food, getting off the sort of pharma mm -hmm. cycle, moving back towards healthy things. That a couple of years ago would have seemed awfully hippie-ish, but now it's conservative saying maybe we should just eat fresh local <laughs> farm food uh, and get oh, back in thanks. shape. Yeah, <laughs> Something exactly. else to see. So, but, but like I was saying, that that posting anything like this for the longest time, even now potentially, could get you banned off of Facebook. And and we right. want to talk about this. Um, and, and there is some new information coming out that may change this a little bit. But uh, Danielle Smith took to social media um, to uh, point out that she'd received a temporary uh, censorship on Facebook by Meta. Um, it, so the, the new sort of development on this, if this is true, it's troubling. She said something to the effect of for a premier of a province of 4.3 million um, to be banned. There we go. We can just read it. Big tech and government censorship is being a danger to free speech around the world. My Facebook account has been banned from posting content for a few days as the premier of a province of 4.6 million Albertans. If they can prevent me from communicating with you, imagine what they can do to any one of us, regardless mm -hmm. of our political leanings. We must all stand against censorship. So shocking troubling to see what meta has yeah. said in response to this though is that effectively she wasn't banned but one of the content sort of moderators as you know on facebook you if you have a public page you can appoint yeah. people to post what they're right. saying is one of the other people had a strike on their account and when mm. they went to post they were being restricted, but she could have posted the whole time. Now, that's assuming um, you believe Meta entirely, but I could yeah. easily see a content manager going, oh, I was banned on my page. I'm going to log over to here. So it'll be interesting to see. I don't know if they're going to reply. Maybe this was a bit of a, a fumble on their part, and they're like, why can't we mm -hmm. post? There's a strike against the page. Meta saying it would have been against that specific account. Um, but... <sighs> Regardless, politicians, I, I saw a video on Twitter the other day, we won't be able to pull it up, it was just a random uh, shot, but you can literally see like uh, like terrorist organizations still have access to Facebook, where or Twitter, yeah, exactly. and Trump, Trump, Trump was banned, um, and one mm -hmm. of the sort of millennials in this little video clip say like, well, did, did, did the Taliban violate the terms of community guidelines <laughs> as though that's the principal it, concern? It's so ridiculous. And actually, I got banned for a very long time. I can't remember how long for re not retweeting because it was on Facebook, but taking a screenshot of what Trump, when he was basically saying like, let's keep things peaceful on January 6th. And I put that on. That's all I did was just with the photo of it. And they banned me, I think it was two weeks for a month. And another thing, I guess that makes sense. I could see that happening where it's the actual poster who had the strike and got banned. And especially if that's who's predominantly doing her post, then it would make sense that they thought their whole page yeah. was uh, limited. But, you know, Facebook should explain that better. But I had a page uh, that I was sort of, you know, ranting. It was before I was with Rebel, but right after the COVID stuff, and I was like finding all this stuff right from like sources like CDC and the NCI. And um, they I ha they locked me out of my page forever. So it's, I just can't get in it because I didn't have any, you know, other people helping me with the page. They just banned me from the page and it sits there. And then many people thought I just stopped posting. But really, it was like, no, I'm just not. I'm locked out of my account. It's so bad. Like, they are just so, yeah. oh, the censorship is so bad. And one other thing that popped up that, in case you guys don't know, is this reminds me of our Twitter lawsuit that's happening. I think it's, right. um, the URL is at twitterlawsuit.com, I believe. But um, our chief commander, Ezra Levant, was recently in court. Uh, a few days ago, and that is because Stephen Gulb, I can never say his name, Gubul, 
<laughs> right. He's blocking. So elected officials blocked Rebel News. And so that's another issue. Actually, comment. We haven't had a live chat yet. So if you want to comment and weigh in on what you think of that on Rumble or Odyssey. But this is just another example. You have, you know, big tech has the ability to kind of shut you out. But also Rebel News, I think we're the largest independent media outlet in Canada. And you can have elected officials in Canada say, no, I'm going to give everybody else uh, the information that taxpayers want to know and need to know, except for you guys. So. Yeah. Speaking of which, let's, let's jump to this video talking about uh, uh, while, while Canadian officials are blocking us and making sure we, through the CRTC, don't get access to all the same content Americans get, um, Trudeau is taking a bold stand and saying we won't be bullied by Meta. Yeah. So let's watch this clip of Trudeau here. On um, the internet giants, we've seen uh, Facebook and other countries post, oh, other companies post record profits uh, over the past years, at the same time as local independent journalism has struggled in terms of getting news out to people uh, in ways that matter locally. Um, now uh, Facebook is choosing to block Canadians' access to local news instead of paying their fair share. That's unacceptable. Canadians need to be able to access news. Uh, it's fundamental to our democracy. We're not going to put up with Facebook's bullying. This guy just says like the opposite of everything he does. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I know. Thanks to this new policy from Justin Trudeau, Rebel News is getting lots of money from the government. I really appreciate it. No, we're not, by the way. It's ridiculous. Oh. This is just a the latest effort to prop up his allies and force uh, outlets, like forcing a private company that is sharing. And every other company, we managed to survive on the open market by providing something of value. Justin Trudeau wants to legislate more forced money for his allies who are going to push his propaganda. Um, the bully here is the federal government. It's not meta. Yeah. So it's, it's wild to see. Yeah. You're right. It's so confusing. It's like he's. It's like when he started talking about standing for, um, you know, freedom of expression and stuff after what happened at the trucker convoy. And you're like, what is going on? And that's why he had such a tough time going out to Europe in their parliament. That's where it was. Actually, he was telling them yeah. about democracy and stuff like that. But I'm I'm so confused because yet there's the the C11 online censorship bill, and I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Facebook sort of pushed back against that. And now you have him doing this. Like, it's it's, it's very confusing to keep up with. But if his lips are moving, uh, you know, I don't uh, weigh too much into it. No, and that's a sentiment that is being shared. We've got another video here. 81% uh, of Canadians want a new prime minister. Um, he's always saying that he's going to support uh, Canadians. Well, that doesn't seem to be the case with 81%. My question here is, is... What are the other 19% thinking? <laughs> How can people still support this guy? I have some family members in the 19%. I'm ashamed oh, no. to say. But I just want to let you know, if you have little kitties in the room, there may be some foul language in this video we're about to show. Mr. Trudeau, 81% of Canadians now say they would like a new prime minister. You're always saying you'll support Canadians. Will you support them? Yes. How about an investigation? How about an how about how about an open inquiry into election interference? Let the chips fall where they may. What do you think about? You've called us all far right. What do you think? What do you think now about Muslim families standing with Christians and Jews to fight back about your gender ideology being pushed in school? Yeah. There were some good questions in there, but I have to start with something that probably shouldn't matter as much as it does to me. But what is with the jacket hole? Like, what is, is he modeling on the way into there? He's so annoying. <laughs> like, look at this. Who walks like that? Who I don't walks know. like that? <laughs> I don't know. I didn't even process that, but that is so. I know. Uh, it's all so artificial. It's wild yeah. to see. Jeez. But, <laughs> yeah, I, a well, lot of good questions there. You know what's wild though is eighty-one percent of people want a new prime minister, uh, but the way the sort of uh, the seats are distributed in constituencies, it, it might not matter, and this guy might get reelected despite uh -huh. being wildly unpopular. And it's 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 crazy to see. Like we just had an election here. Obviously, Daniel <laughs> Smith won the popular vote, and obviously being effectively. Uh, 
outcome wise a bipartisan province the other parties aren't really mm-hmm. factoring in a majority of the seats as well and and the media would have had you believe that the NDP won this thing meanwhile mm-hmm. 81% of Canadians are opposed the conservatives won the last popular vote none of that seems to matter this guy's buddy number 1 and no one's willing to an- ask him tough questions it literally comes down to with whether it be the NDP or the liberals excluding people from events, uh, being the bullies who ban people from asking real questions. It just boils down to chasing this guy on the street and asking him questions, and then him smugly carrying his jacket and proving the point of the, the type of person that he is. One of the questions there that he touched on is something I want to talk about after an ad break. But before that, um, I want to talk a little bit about... Uh, this uh, this Justin Trudeau article, uh, a tweet rather, conservative politicians tried again to reopen the abortion debate yesterday. My response at rising up for sexual health last night, we won't accept that. We'll continue to strengthen women's rights and improve access to sexual and reproductive health services at home and abroad. Now, this was actually a bill talking about protecting women. Um, and, and effectively, if women are pregnant and they've chosen to keep that baby going out of their way to ensure that they're safe, providing additional protections there. Um, during this debate that was about violence against women, um, a liberal uh, member of parliament gave the middle finger to a female conservative member of parliament while discussing sort of violence and respect for women. And, and they've totally miscategorized this. I know there's a bunch of movements out there uh, sort of uh, spurred on by pregnant women who were murdered and they lost their babies life in in that sort of horrific crime um and that is what this is about that is what they are trying to address here we've got the clip uh we can even play the audio there just turned to me made a face and gave the finger to me i don't even yeah. know how you categorize that in the house of Commons. i did see the member uh, from kingston um um make a, an objectionable sign to the opposition of his finger I, I admit that what, what uh, the members are indicating that I did, I did do, and I unreservedly apologize for displaying my frustration that way. Jeez, yeah, they totally respect and love women. <laughs> Just jur- like this is so Trudeau. It's so during a conversation yeah. about like let like the Liberal Party is the party that most respects women. <laughs> he throws up, a, flips the bird. It's it's unreal to see what's the going on here. The tolerant left. The tolerant yeah. left. We keep tolerant seeing this left. over and over in so so many different areas. But yeah. <laughs> he's like, I did do that. <laughs> but it, it's and, shocking. Where, where and, is the tact? And why are why have these elected officials become so comfortable in like hate? That's hate over yeah. these issues that they know that many Canadians believe, whether you agree or not. Why can't you just have a simple discussion about it without it getting yeah. to that? It's it's really concerning. Yeah, no, it's, uh, and, and it just reveals like what this is about. This is about choice. And and so often the pro-choice narrative, they don't, they're pro-aborts. They're not pro-choice because this oh, bill yeah. was, if, if a woman does want her baby and she acknowledges that life, which apparently there's a magical process by which it becomes a life or doesn't become a life based on what the woman thinks, apparently that's the science we're supposed to trust. But setting that aside, let's say we accept the liberal narrative that it's only a baby if the woman decides she wants to keep it. This is talking about this baby, the mom wants the baby, and then violence occurs and ends that life. That That is what was ultimately up for discussion here. Exactly. That The most pro-choice thing here would be to protect women and their babies if they choose to keep those babies. So it, well, it, it, Go ahead. And there's just so much coercion with abortions. Obviously, some women want to have an abortion, but there's a lot of women who don't, especially young ones. They get coerced from, you know, their parents, their friends. I actually had my firstborn very young and my friends were like crying when I said I was going to keep it. They were like, your life is over. So, I mean, there's that too. What about standing up for women in that if they want to have their baby? Where are the supports? Where is even just the government saying, yeah, we support you? And we appreciate and we'll, you know, stand by you. So, And it is, again, we've talked about this throughout this, the stream, though, whether it's the free drug supplies or uh, professing to support choice while not really supporting choice or 
professing to stand up to social media bullies while in fact being the censorious bully yourself. It's just across the board. Everything progressives do is this veneer of nicety, but everything underneath it is precisely the opposite of everything that they say. It is wild to see. Um, I know we've got some exciting stuff. I don't even know if I'm allowed to share it, but there's something happening in our studio in five minutes. Um, and okay. it relates to something we've talked about before. So I want to get to one more story here. Um, I don't know if about we got any bullies. chance. Yeah, about bullies. About bullies. And it, this is, this is uh, wild. And it, it relates to the question that was actually asked to Justin Trudeau there. Um, Andy, no, yes. um, this, is, this is all over social media. But uh, it says a trans activist group in Calgary, Canada, is organizing a direct action today against Muslim group planning to protest LGBTQ indoctrination in public schools. Uh, the trans group says Muslim... Uh, group is not representative of Muslims and that they are fascists. Uh, it's really interesting. You can actually see this sort of call to action pushing back. Mm -hmm. You're see you're seeing these events right across the country in the United States, and and it's funny watching the counter protesters do mental gymnastics. If this was Christians, they would just call them every name under the sun, Christo fascists. They'd swear about them and everything. Right. But because now it's Muslim groups starting to push back, and I'll remind you in Ontario when Kathleen Wynne tried to bring in a radical sex ed curriculum it was the muslim community that in fact rallied and stood against that and defeated it a number of years ago um but the the mental gymnastics they have to do and saying like oh these aren't real muslims and there are a few no. bad eggs like like they're the person who determines who is and isn't this or that these are families the amount of people i've had reaching out to me about this event families people who don't normally attend protests and this event is very clear they're saying this isn't about hatred this isn't about division uh, we want schools this is this is something that would everyone would have agreed to seven minutes ago but now it's a horrible thing to say they're saying we can deal with this in the home we can deal with this on our own we want schools focusing on academics teaching basic skills we don't want them mm -hmm. pushing the latest fad gender ideology that is uh, clearly brand new and unsettled science even if you're a staunch advocate for it this is a relatively new invention some might even call it a flavor of the month and, and this is being pushed so aggressively as soundly as if it were two plus two equals four in our schools. so parents are concerned across the board it doesn't matter where they come from uh, we will be there tonight covering this event it is going i think there are a couple, I think there's a, there's a hundred and some people confirmed just within the, the Calgary Muslim group that organized this, but I know other groups are coming as well. It's likely to be a turnout. And as we've seen, there is a sort of counteraction uh, planned. It's taking place uh, this evening in Calgary at City Hall. Um, and the evening before a weekend, uh, uh, I could see things sort of escalating potentially. I'm sure there'll probably be police presence there as well, but we'll be there to cover it. Hopefully talking to both sides, garnering sort of where they're coming from. But very interesting to see. Have, have there been many events like this out in BC? Yes, I think you're going to have a larger one, but we have Sikhs, Muslims, Jews and Christians, and of course, sometimes even people from the LGBTQ community come together mm -hmm. and protest these almost weekly. I've covered some as well, and we have the same sort of calls of counter protests against them. It could be from the anti-hate uh, network or something called Community Over Convoys. That's usually who is doing the call, and very Antifa-like, aggressive people show up. So I've covered that before, but I just wanted to point out real quick, and I know we're pressed for time here, this is diversity. Even on the poster here for the event that you're covering it says people of all faith muslims christians um and people just to come together and protect our children's education so it's yeah. a very diverse group that shows up and how bigoted of it is to say oh you're not really real muslims and then tell everybody people it's just a bunch of fascists and they also say that the the group of muslims are being used by calgary freedom central to hide up to hide their bigotry. So yeah. how condescending is that to the Muslim people? And one thing I just want to finish on is this is representative of many Muslims. And there is a, a, a statement that went out, of course, we've talked about it, but not the state-backed media, where tons of Muslim scholars and imams have come together and signed hundreds, including the Canadian Council of Imams, Imams, which is also 80, 80 different imams. So, and their communities who have said enough is enough, stop with the indoctrination of children in schools. There's one of my kids talking right now. <laughs> 
Wonderful. We do have one chat here, and as I mentioned, we do have a hard out, so I'll get to that. Uh, $5 from Ableist SL. What is Rebel News doing to keep bad actors out of the dissident right, such as grifters, the furry raiders, the F AFPAC, the Sovereign Citizen Movement, etc.? Uh, also, as Rebel considered expanding, well, uh, we we are always expanding. We're hiring people. Um, we're one of the largest sort of independent outlets within the country, and there are job postings available right now with Rebel News. Um, we're we're also, as you know, international. We've got people in the UK, often covering stories in the United States, and obviously Avi in Australia. Um, now we're we're a news organization, so our job is not to control or manage uh, the right wing protest arms. Our job is to report on stories and make that information available. So while if someone is has an extreme perspective or is, or is relaying inaccurate information, um, as responsible journalists editorially, we can not cover them, not bring attention to the work they're doing. But we don't actively intervene and manage these events. We don't run protests like this. We don't do we don't do the activism. What we do is cover these stories and bring them to you uh, in a unique way, truly independent journalism, so you can uh, bring uh, your own sort of perspective to it. And if you decide to become active, well, that's on you. Uh, but yeah, our job is to report on what's happening, not to direct it. Uh, would you agree with that, Drea? You summed it up perfectly, and I hope you stay safe. Um... I hope you have uh, good protection while you cover that event because, you know, sometimes the tolerant left uses their hands instead of their words. So, yeah. Yeah. And if you do want to support that work, Rebel Field reports, we do have to hire security for some of these events, unfortunately, because some of these folks do come after us, uh, whether it's the government trying to cancel us or these people coming after us when we're just trying to tell the other side of the story. Again, if you're one of the folks who's in that counter protest sign, I'll have a conversation with you. Be calm, share your perspective, and we'll include that. That's what we're going to do. Unfortunately, that is not what happens. Uh, as I mentioned, we do have this hard out. Dre, any final words for the folks at home? No, thank you guys for joining us. And uh, yeah, let us know if there's anything else to cover. But again, I'm really looking forward to your coverage of this event. And I hope, I hope it's a good turnout. Like we are not the ones making it happen, but I think it's time that more and more become aware of this issue. I think it will be. I want to thank everyone in our studio for their incredible work for making this possible. Drea, my co-host, thank you so much. You did a great job today. And for everyone tuning in, wherever you're tuning in, thank you so much for joining us uh, in the tradition of Dave Menzies. I'll sign off by saying, stay sane.